Hello everyone, it's Katherine Wilson here, and it's the third week of Advent, and this week's story and spiritual talk is about Joseph. And so I'll share with you first the spiritual story that is the story of Joseph, and then follow that up with a recent spiritual talk based on this story. So you can think of this story like spiritual fiction. It was a hot, dry afternoon. Joseph walked down the main road in Nazareth with a large wooden yoke over his right shoulder. He had spent the last few days building it for a wealthy neighbor who would use it for his oxen. The yoke was heavy, and as he walked, his forehead beaded with sweat. But it was a short walk, and he was young and strong and able to carry it without excessive strain. He was well known in town, and many people greeted him and commented on his skillful craftsmanship as he passed by. When he arrived at the wealthy man's house, he walked directly to the back and rested the yoke against the stone wall that enclosed the large courtyard. The courtyard was large and well-appointed, and an old servant named Ethan was cooking a fragrant goat stew over a large fire. Joseph called out to Ethan and asked for him to fetch the householder. He nodded and went inside to ask his grandson Eli, who was strong, and a wiry ten-year-old, to run out and call the landowner back from the fields where he was supervising work. Eli exits through the courtyard and begins running speedily towards the fields. Joseph knew Ethan, but they were not friends. Ethan was known to be a judgmental man with an ear for gossip, and Joseph was kind to him, but he did not enjoy his company. Joseph was invited into the courtyard after a brief greeting, and they waited in silence for a long time. Then Ethan looked up from his work and said to Joseph, When does Mary return? She should be arriving tomorrow. It's a long walk from the hill country. My brother-in-law just got home from that area, and he told me that he saw Mary in the marketplace with Elizabeth while he was there. Yes, it is almost a week's walk, but Mary enjoys traveling, and she was so excited to see Elizabeth that she left without stopping to say goodbye. She loves to visit with her family there, and she appreciates the opportunity to meet people and hear of their journeys. Hmm, he replied with a tone of judgment. Joseph was confused by his attitude and said nothing. In my time, a man would show more respect for a girl like that. Her family is respectable, and she's always been a good and humble girl who honors her elders. She helped my niece give birth just last year. She's a good, respectable girl who's never been in trouble. Yes, she is a remarkable woman, Joseph answered as he tried to decipher the meaning of the old man's words and tone. He clearly believed that Joseph had wronged her in some way and could not imagine why. The old man continued to stir the large stone pot and grumbled to himself. Then, under his breath, he said, To put her in that condition is unseemly, but to let her travel alone like that, hmm. By the way that Ethan said, In that condition... Joseph knew that he was suggesting that Mary was pregnant, but that didn't make any sense. He stared in stunned silence for a few minutes, 
and then heard the hoofbeats of a horse approaching. The landowner arrived outside his courtyard, and Eli appeared again from the house to take the horse to the stable. The landowner and Joseph conducted their business, and Joseph left and began walking toward home. His mind was going over the conversation again and again, trying to understand what he had heard. He knew that Ethan assumed that he had been intimate with Mary before the final marriage ceremony and that the child was his. This kind of behavior was not uncommon, and as long as the couple married, it did not usually warrant punishment, but it was seen as a sign of weak character and reflected badly on the families. He knew that they had not laid together or been intimate in any way, so if there was indeed a child, it was not his. Besides the question of his own paternity, he couldn't even imagine that Mary could be pregnant. If it were just a rumor, he would have dismissed it without question, but Ethan's relative had seen Mary with his own eyes. By the time Joseph arrived home, it was getting dark. His parents and siblings were finishing the evening meal of bread, olives, and fresh vegetables in the courtyard. He had been hungry all afternoon and had been looking forward to the evening meal, but after hearing the baffling news from Ethan, he was too queasy and anxious to eat. Joseph's mother heard him enter the house and called out to him, but he told her he was feeling ill and going to rest. He quickly washed his hands, face, and feet with a basin of water in the main room, and then went into the sleeping room and laid on his mat. There was only a small shuttered window, so the room was dark and cool. He lay there thinking about everything he had heard, and his gut twisted with anxiety. He had known Mary his whole life, and she had always been a person of good faith. He never heard her lie or even exaggerate. She was always impeccable with her word and was trusted by everyone who knew her. He could not reconcile this knowledge with the idea that she had betrayed him, violated the sanctity of their betrothal, and hidden a pregnancy from him. In his pain, he reflexively turned to prayer, but he was so disturbed he could barely formulate words, so he just said, Merciful God, I love you and I trust you, but I do not understand. Please, Abba, give me strength and guide me, repeatedly like an inner chant. The prayer soothed him a bit, but he still felt so deeply conflicted that it felt as if his heart were being ripped apart. He felt devastated by the news, and at the same time he felt that he could not believe it was true at all. He felt angry at her and then worried for her. He alternated between planning how to dismiss her quietly so that she would not be vulnerable to harsh punishment under the law and rejecting the idea that she was pregnant at all. He could not shake the feeling that he really did know her and that she would never be dishonest or unfaithful to her promise or to him. He prayed again, Merciful God, I love you and trust you, but I do not understand. Please, Abba, give me strength and guide me. When his family members came into the room to sleep, he pretended to be asleep already so that he would not have to talk about his inner torment. He tossed and turned for several hours and then finally fell asleep. 
In the early hours right before dawn, an angel of God appeared before him in a dream. In his dream, Joseph was submerged in the river when he saw a bright light appear at the surface. He stood up, and all the water poured off of him. The angel hovered above the river and was clothed in an indescribably beautiful golden radiance. Joseph was mesmerized by the angel's beauty and power. The light from the angel seemed to radiate through him, and as it filled his body, he felt it burn away all anxiety and confusion. Joseph's mind became quiet and calm. Suddenly, his trance was broken by the sound of the angel's voice. Although it existed inside his own mind, the voice of the angel sounded entirely different than his own mental voice. Each word seemed to be both a voice and like the waves of sound that resonate after the initial sharp sound of a bell passes. Each sound wave moved through his whole body and made him feel lighter and lighter. He thought that he might levitate when the angel said, Joseph, son of David, do not worry about taking Mary as your wife, for that child conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you will name him Jesus, for he shall save his people from error. All this was done so that the prophet's words would be fulfilled when he said, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. When Joseph awoke, the sun was breaking the horizon, and he leapt out of bed and ran out into the street without stopping to put on sandals. He was so filled with divine love and joy that it felt like electricity coursed through his body. He knew that Mary would be on the road soon, and he felt an overwhelming urge to run and meet her. And within her divine womb, the Messiah he had prayed for his entire life. As he ran, he felt as if his body was weightless, and he was almost floating. The town faded behind him and the miles between them passed quickly. His feet barely felt the rocky ground as he ran toward Mary and the most perfect miracle within her. There's a beauty about going over a story that we know. We have some time to explore the subtle aspects that we haven't seen before or reaffirm the ones that might feel somewhat solid. So just notice in yourself, if you've listened to the meditation, what lands in you from this meditation and this reading. The beauty of mindfulness is a tool is that we start with the body scan or the mental scan, the checking in with what is showing up, And that leads us into a similar state of humility that we hear in this reading where Joseph doesn't understand and doesn't know. If we're constantly policing our thoughts or feelings to get to some kind of place of rightness, we don't get to the quiet space that could be wrong, or at least our misguided assumptions and thought patterns might tell us that. So instead of doubling down on principles, When we're in the terrain of the unknown, within our bodies, if we're ill or shifts in life that we don't understand, 
things in the future we can't foresee, relationship challenges. We want so much to land on the knowing already. Some of us are really good at running in and making meaning out of almost any situation. It's harder to be in the vulnerable spot of listening and allowing things to be as they are in the state of unknowing, of uncertainty. We can give space to the frustration that can't make sense of it, the pain, the separation of what we think is going on and what we're hearing perhaps is a different reality than we'd hoped. We often want to rush to force or create some aha moment or a moment of clarity. And yet the more authentic and accepting we can be of what's showing up, the more movement we create for our internal tuning fork and guidance by light, love, and life to show us the way. If you have devotional practices, whether it's praying, showing up for communion, doing your own meditations or contemplations, this is such a beautiful time to pull those out into this space of unknown. Not to fix the state that you might be in, but to land more solidly in that state. Because this is a time of year where we can feel a lot of rumbling with the longer, darker days and the distractions all around to be busy and frenzied. There can be heightened anxiety and fear and worry. And we can use this to create a vacuum that recognizes we need the light. And so this is the entry point for Mary's devotion and love that we see in the first story, the first Sunday of Advent. And then by the second story of Advent, we experience having Elizabeth to reflect the joy in us. We feel gratitude for our spiritual community and meaningful practices that remind us of what's coming. We get to bask in co-regulation with one another. And this week, the beauty of Joseph is in reminding us that there's more layers to our inner sanctuary of what's happening versus what the outer personality might be hung up on. Our outer self is denser, more prone to those egoic ideas that we need to do something right now. We need to construct or build. And we can all relate to having that fear, to the not knowing, not having all the information, to dwell in the stories that increase anxiety and despair. We can listen to these shifts from within and without and breathe into the space of even deeper knowing and trusting than our egoic consciousness may initially land on. It's okay that tension builds the outer personality might be freaking out and the inner personality is saying, we got this. Mary's pregnancy is powerful and important and a chosen yes. So take the time this week through meditation and contemplation. Each day is an opportunity, a powerful incubator for how long can you sit both in meditation and just the needed patience of a day and sit with the 
he doesn't know yet. This Joseph part of me doesn't know yet and is confused and not rush it. The meditation holds the synthesis and beauty of what really is, and we will get there. But can we be in the soup? Can we breathe into and tolerate it? Because the more we can tolerate it in ourselves, the more we can tolerate the chaos and the frenzy and diversity of expression around us at this time of year, the more we can hear and listen to the heartache and the pain without needing to make it different yet. The more we can grow in wisdom that will inevitably inform any action. We can be powerfully with. And then we can dive into that moment like Joseph and his yes with the angel. Joseph's aha and the release of tension and the embrace of the next shift. So it's a similar practice to that of tensing up your muscles and releasing them. In meditation circles, we often talk about taking a deep breath and letting it go. But sometimes without the creation of physicalizing tension, of getting tight and tighter and tighter, we don't get the big release. We can take it on, take it in, and let it go to really feel it in the body and mind. That sweet harmonic resonance when things come together, epiphanies arrive, clarity lands in the vibration of a moment. So blessings to you as you move into the deep mindful acceptance of this week and of the whole process. <laughs>